Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Gain culinary intelligence right here and right now because this is where the delicious conversation happens. Recipes and tips for marvelous meals are shared here on this show, and this hour you'll gain ideas on how to eat well and live well, because this show is for people who love to cook or love to eat or both. I like to say, if you are one or both, we can definitely be friends. And every week, I'll tell you about my favorite recipes, share top chefs and insightful authors, the best foods and restaurants and gadgets for your kitchen, what wine to drink now. And of course, there are cutting edge recipes and distinguished artisans and We'll share all the knowledge so that you can dish on it. I hope that you'll also be sure to visit chefjamie.com to become a more confident cook where there are thousands of free recipes and become a friend and a fan on social at Chef Jamie Gwen so that I can fill your plate. Let me tell you what is coming up today, in fact, because if you think you know all there is about eggs and how to cook and bake with them, think again. Lisa Steele is a fifth-generation chicken keeper and the founder of the ever-popular blog, Fresh Eggs Daily. She knows a thing or two about eggs, and she's going to show you just how easy and delicious it can be to make eggs a staple of every meal. Everything from the label on the grocery store egg carton that you buy to some of the most common egg myths. And who doesn't use eggs almost daily if you love to cook or love to eat? She has breakfast staples and beautiful breads and sandwiches and snacks and soups and salads and pasta and cakes and pies and more. It's a really beautiful book, in fact, her seventh just released, entitled The Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook, and she is sitting down at the kitchen table to dish, and I am most excited. But first, I hope that you'll savor the flavor with me because I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts, one that makes you the best cook you know. And some of this might be knowledge that you've already gained, and some of it might just make a better dinner dish in your kitchen. So it's cold, like really cold in many places across the country. And to me, that means food that warms your soul and your belly, of course. And heartier fare means mushrooms to me. There is just something about the rusticity and the meatiness and the depth of flavor that comes from marvelous mushrooms that I love. And most chefs do, by the way. You know them in their fresh form, in their dry form, rather. You know mushroom powder and mushroom seasoning. Whether you're frying shiitakes for mushroom toast or tossing creminis into pasta or going all out with earthy morels, I have a mushroom recipe for you. But this is a mushroom recap. Get it? I know. (laughs) Couldn't help myself. Of sorts. To celebrate really umami flavors. So... From the poisonous and the obscure to the delectable and the familiar, there are enough mushroom varieties out there to fill many a book. 
Of course, most of us recognize at least a few of the varieties, your common button mushroom or the meaty umbrella-like portobello. And if you know your way around chanterelles and shiitakes, porcinis, you can personally attest to just how dramatically flavor can differ from one type of mushroom to another. And that's what makes mushrooms so exciting and often intimidating. So to help eliminate the guesswork, I posted a survey to collect your mushroom intrigue. And here are the answers to your most pondered mushroom questions. This is my best chef's feedback. So here goes, Mushrooms 101. Now the most questions that I got asked in this survey of mine was, should I wash mushrooms? And you may have heard that you should never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, never submerge your mushrooms in water. The argument goes, right, that the porous mushroom will absorb excess moisture. But if you've ever put it to the test, they really don't absorb much, uh, I mean, minimal at best. And so I have to say, if you have a dirty batch of mushrooms, please wash them under cold running water and you can always spin them in a salad spinner. But for normal, you know, dirt and grime, I think a damp paper towel works best to clean the cap of a mushroom. And I do remove the stems, but I always save them so I can throw them into my chicken stock. Now, where to store mushrooms? Another a uh, common question, the best way to ensure that they last is to put them in a paper bag or in a plastic container in a single layer with the lid cracked open. You see, you want them to breathe and you want to wait, by the way, to wash them or at least clean them before you're just about to cook them. And as far as cooking is concerned... Obviously, individual recipes will vary depending upon your final goal, but I think sautéing is the first step. You can roast them as well. It takes a little more time, but the key to really delectable, marvelous mushrooms is cooking out the natural moisture from the mushrooms themselves. They have plenty of moisture that when you sauté them, you'll see it sort of sogs up the pan during the early stages of cooking. So medium-high heat Leaning toward high heat is best. And once you cook off that natural liquid that evaporates from the mushrooms, they will begin to concentrate in flavor and they will begin to caramelize. And the farther you go, the crispier they get and the more delicious, in my opinion. I saute my mushrooms in a mixture of olive oil and butter. And here's the best chef's tip I can give you because this is a very common mistake. You never want to, and I say never, you never want to salt the mushrooms until they have leached all of their liquid because they will continue to leach more. Salt draws out moisture. So if you change anything in your daily mushroom repertoire, please wait until they have leached their liquid and they start to turn golden, then season. And make sure you leave them in the pan just a little longer than you think because that browning and crispy deliciousness is so good. Now, when it comes to fresh mushrooms versus dried, you can't really substitute equally fresh for dried interchangeably, but I happen to love dried mushrooms. And if you have some on hand, I like to rehydrate my dried mushrooms in hot water 
but not just from the sink. I actually put them in a container, microwave safe. I cover them with liquid and then I microwave them on high power until they're steaming hot. And then I take them out of the microwave and I let them rest for about 10 minutes. And I find that you get the most lovely rehydrated dried mushroom that way. And then, of course, save that infused water and strain it because it's delicious in a soup or a stew or a sauce or pasta, for that matter. Don't throw it away. Now, for many years, of course, the only commercial mushroom grown in the U.S. was the round-capped button mushroom. But today, there are so many exotic, wonderful varieties. Uh, you can find really extraordinarily unique mushrooms at your local farmer's market or maybe at the corner stand or even at your grocery store. And there are some ingredients that I think pair beautifully with the common mushroom. And that is garlic and shallot, uh, anything from the onion family. And a, a touch of acid like citrus juice or vinegar always fares well with a mushroom. And whether it's a simple saute, maybe a little bit of garlic, even black garlic, even better, or you're adding them to pasta or you're stir frying vegetables or you're making Asian noodles or you're sauteing some mushrooms for over a great steak. You can even do them in the air fryer, by the way, 400 degrees. Yes. And then season. There is something beautiful about the marvelous mushroom in all of its glory. And I'd love to know what you're making with mushrooms. So email me, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. Or go to chefjamie.com and find my recipe for wild mushroom risotto or steal my grilled portobello burgers or make caramelized mushroom tarts from what I think is just the best appetizer recipe ever at chefjamie.com, by the way. And then, of course, you should stay tuned because coming up, mushrooms and eggs. Now, that's a fabulous combo. I'll be sure to ask Lisa Steele all about that. With her million plus followers, Fresh Eggs Daily, the blog is much beloved. But we're about to discover new and exciting ways to incorporate fresh eggs into everyday cooking. Lisa Steele is here, and I'm delighted. So grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm grateful you're listening. Don't go away. Set your culinary sights higher. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I love when new talent sits down to dish and I find it so inspiring. I hope you do too. Because if you think you know all there is to know about eggs and how to cook and bake with them, well, think again. Because Lisa Steele, fifth generation chicken keeper and founder of the much beloved and popular blog, Fresh Eggs Daily, knows a thing or two about eggs, or like a million things, really. She's laying down as many tips and recipes as her chickens do eggs in her new, innovative, and much-abuzz 
cookbook release entitled The Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook. She is a seven-time cookbook author, a fifth-generation chicken keeper in Maine with inspiration from her Scandinavian roots uh, and an absolute talent for cooking. She's sharing delectable recipes that run the gamut from eggs in a hole to frothy cocktails. She bakes eggs inside rings of butternut squash. She makes egg yolk ravioli on marinara sauce. That is, by the way, deceptively simple thanks to her use of wonton wrappers. And then she shares all of these basic cooking and curing techniques and uh, tips and tricks to using fresh eggs best and what you should know about the commercial egg production as well. And I am over the moon and delighted that we are graced with the presence of Lisa Steele sharing the release of her new book, The Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook. And I welcome you, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. I have to tell you, I, I started marking recipes in the book, Lisa, but then I, I stopped. I quit because... I can't wait to make every recipe in the book, like page after page. Kudos. <laughs> congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Yes. And um, much deserved uh, appreciation and adoration for the book has come in already. You're a number one new release on Amazon. Uh, the publisher's weekly praise, um, much deserved as well. You are truly, I believe, America's expert on, uh, on chicken keeping and everything eggs with over a, a million followers. They call you queen of the coop, if I'm not mistaken. They do. They do. I'm not, I'm not sure if I've exactly embraced that yet, but yes, <laughs> I've, I've heard that before. I, I, I like the title. Um, will you first tell us everything we don't know about eggs, please? Because I've had a, a glorious experience with fresh eggs for breakfast from someone's backyard or farm. And there's nothing like it. There's really not. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's one of the foods that it really matters if it's fresh, like a tomato from the garden or, you know, really anything you grow in your garden. But I think until you've had an egg that's still warm because the chicken just laid it, I mean, you just don't, you don't know how good an egg can be, I guess mm -hmm. is how I'd put it. Isn't that true? And the commercial side of the egg business, can you enlighten us? Maybe give us some tips and tricks if, like you, you know, we don't have um, a, a family of chickens. They're your babies, I know, um, <laughs> out, out back on the farm in Maine. Exactly. And, I mean, it would be wonderful if everyone could raise their own chickens, but that's not, it's not practical or reasonable or, or you know, something. We're getting there. I think, uh, especially the last two years, a lot more people started raising chickens. But if you can't find a farmer's market or a local farm or neighbor or friend or something, and you do go to the grocery store for your eggs, it's funny. I was actually at the grocery store. I had to buy eggs last week, cursing my chickens the entire time because <laughs> I'm doing a bunch of cooking demos. And so I needed eggs, and they're just not laying this time of year. So I had to go buy store-bought eggs. And there's a little code at the end on one end of each carton that tells you when those eggs were put into the carton. Yes. It's not the sell-by date or the use-by date. It's a three-digit code. And by looking at the code when I bought the eggs, I could tell that they were already 20 days old. Wow. And they might sit on the grocery store shelf for a couple more weeks, then you bring them home and they're going to sit for, you know, a week or two while you use them. So, I mean, you're talking six, eight weeks old hmm. compared to 
you know, and not to make anyone jealous, but I've eaten eggs that I've literally watched the chicken lay, and I'm, I have it in the frying pan, you know, not two minutes after she's actually laid it. So, like, there's a huge, huge difference, mm. uh, not necessarily nutrition-wise. I don't think eggs really lose their nutrition all that quickly, but I just I think fresh just tastes like something, yes. you know, there's a difference when something is very fresh. Well, of course. And that's a great tip, by the way. So searching for the packed on date as opposed to the best buy date is really key if you're buying commercial eggs. And when you talk about fresh eggs versus old eggs, there are so many glorious tips in the book. Like when you boil old eggs, I never knew that the dip in one end is a sign of et, of age, rather. Right. Yes. Without getting all science geeky, <laughs> as an egg ages, air gets in through the pores in the eggshell and the moisture in the egg escapes. So your egg starts being less egg and more air. And mm-hmm. there, it's, that's an air sac that's developing in one end of the egg the purpose of which is when a chick is actually um, growing inside that egg, it needs air to breathe before it hatches. So that air sac gets bigger and bigger as the chick develops to give it air to breathe. But for our purposes, it doesn't make the prettiest deviled eggs. No, no, it doesn't. I, although I loved learning from you that fresh eggs, of course, always best, will peel perfectly and be beautifully shaped for deviled eggs and more. If you steam them, you don't ever boil, do you? No, I don't. No. Someone told me years ago that the, her grandmother hmm. steamed her eggs, and I was having trouble with hard-boiled eggs like we all do. Fresh eggs don't peel well. If you let them get old, they have that dip. Sometimes there's like that gray circle around the yolk that's pretty unappetizing. A lot of times they would break in the water because yes. they're boiling and they're bouncing around. So once I started steaming them, and then putting them right into ice water, I never have problems with hard-cooked eggs. Again, I, I can't, I mean, I haven't hard-boiled an egg for probably 10 years. So smart. I also didn't know, so much to learn from you, I didn't know <laughs> that you would recommend that you never salt eggs for breakfast eggs, for instance, until they're done cooking. So I assume when you say salt your eggs after plating them, that you're finishing them with a finishing salt, right? Maybe is it flake salt or smoke salt, whatever it is that you favor, because you say that the salt draws out moisture. We know that as a chemical reaction and the eggs separate mm-hmm. in the pan. That's why they weep. Salt, as you know, like if, if you're making a cucumber salad or sometimes you'll salt tomatoes, put them in a colander to drain the liquids out, it's going to do the same thing to your eggs. So I, I don't add any water or cream or milk or anything to my scrambled eggs. I just whisk them up really, really well, get a lot of air in them, cook them. And then, as you said, finishing salt yes. at the end once they're on the plate. And honestly, a lot of times I don't even bother with the salt and pepper because an egg is just so delicious and pure by itself. You know, if you scramble them in a little butter, that's really all you need, I think. Oh, I have to agree with you. There is something just beautiful about the simplicity of it. Okay, I, I beg you to stay, please. Don't go anywhere because there's so much more to learn. Will you stay with us, Lisa? Absolutely. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
just tuned in, you're late. Lisa Steele is here, founder of FreshEggsDaily.com. With more than a million loyal followers, she is a fifth-generation chicken keeper and the ultimate expert on eggs. Her newest cookbook, her seventh, has just released, entitled The Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook. And it has fabulous recipes, over 100 in fact, to use eggs in wonderfully unexpected ways. But the knowledge that she shares is just overwhelmingly inspiring. And so the conversation continues. Um, I love the reminder that you tell us eggs separate more easily when they're cold, of course. But when you're baking with them or you're cooking with them, let's say you've separated them, best to bring them to room temperature, right? Like separate them and then let them come up to temp. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, Eggs do separate better when they're cold from the fridge. I mean, they, it, it's still doable if they're room temperature, but sure. if you're, say, going to make an angel food cake, you want to take your eggs out of the fridge, separate them all, and then let those whites come up to room temperature because they're going to whip up much better. If you're adding an egg to some kind of batter, if you add a cold egg, it can cause the fats to seize up, and that egg is not going to incorporate as well. Mm-hmm. So anytime, really any ingredient, if if it says milk at room temperature or you know, butter room temperature, eggs room temperature. It really means it. There is a reason. So smart. I never knew, Lisa, that eggs should always be stored pointy end down. Is that a standard in commercial egg packing? It actually is. And if you, you know, next time you go buy your eggs, notice that they all should be in the carton pointy end down. The reason for that is that the the yolk is held inside the shell by these thin ropes of protein, Mm -hmm. top to bottom, you know, so Mm -hmm. that keeps the yolk centered top to bottom. But if you lay them on their side, that yolk is going to eventually rise to the top. And you know how sometimes you hard boil eggs and like the yolk will be so close to one side that when you try to scoop it out, that one side rips because it's so thin, the white. Yes, of course. The the ever goal of having it suspended in the center. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. Lisa, before we jump into the recipes, um, there are some very surprising facts in the book. Can you tell I read it uh, edge to edge? I'm with Publishers Weekly and Amazon. Yes, it is a brilliant book. Um, Eggshell color doesn't matter. So I'm paying too much for brown eggs, aren't I? Probably, yes. (laughs) Yes. The the eggshell color is entirely dependent on the breed of chicken, doesn't mean anything else. Brown eggs are not more nutritious than white eggs. The nutritional value of an egg is based on the hen's diet, pure and simple. Hmm. Whatever she's eating, whatever she's being fed, that is what's going to contribute to the nutrition inside an egg. How interesting. And then I'm going to admit to something as a professional chef, because I'm uh, humble and bold, I'd like to, to humbly say, but I don't wash my eggs. If you do have your own chickens or buy from a neighbor or a farmer's market or yes. anything like that, yes. the eggs should not be washed until just before you're using them. And okay. I mean, I'll admit a lot of times I don't wash them either. You know, if you oh, keep a clean coop and you collect your eggs, they're clean. Um, 
if you buy store-bought eggs, they have been washed. It's a lot in this country, unlike a lot of the rest of the world, mm. that store-bought eggs have to be washed, and therefore they have to be refrigerated. But if you're getting fresh eggs from somewhere, like if you could find a dealer who, yeah, you know, yes. supply you with fresh eggs, you don't have to refrigerate them, and you definitely shouldn't wash them until just before using them. Keeps them much fresher that way. I read in your book seven times longer, in fact. So if you don't wash them and you store them properly, you will uh, guarantee at least the freshness you brought them home with for longer, right? Bef- if you mm-hmm. don't wash them. So, so right. smart. Okay, let's cook. I love that you pair Swiss and Gruyere and goat cheese with eggs. I, I would like to talk about your mother's contribution to the book. That is the first <laughs> recipe I found. I love that. Uh, you have fabulous add-in suggestions for an omelet or scrambled eggs, like chimichurri or pesto. Or Do you have a thing for apricot jam, Lisa? Yeah, um, and you're referring <laughs> to my mom's recipe. Yes. She, I mean, she, she still is sending me egg recipes. She knows the cookbook is done, and <laughs> she's still sending me every egg recipe she finds. But um, the one that I ended up including in the book is one that she makes a lot. And last time I was there visiting her while I was working on the cookbook, she made it for me. And it's very, very odd because it's it's an egg uh, fried. And then you put apricot jam in the center and then sprinkle some cheese, mm. uh, you know, goat cheese around on the white. And I just thought it was so brilliant because it sort of looks like the jam is the yolk and the cheese is the white, but yes. then you don't expect that flavor combination. It's, it's very odd, but it works for some reason. And I guarantee you that that recipe has not appeared anywhere in any cookbook ever. <laughs> no, and, and I have to tell you, that is everything I love. So I, I have a passion for goat cheese. I love the acidic nature. Uh, I love the creamy texture that offsets the acid. Uh, there's something beautiful about apricot jam. It just has the perfect uh, sweetness level to me. And so this combination in and of itself is just very genius. But at the root of it is the the mastery and the skill of frying an egg. And I wonder if you could please talk about it because there is a skill to it. There is. And I think that this is where people underestimate the importance of a fresh egg. Because when you break a a fresh, and I'm talking maybe less than two weeks old, egg into a pan, the protein bonds are still really strong. The white hasn't had a chance to thin out. The membrane around the yolk is really strong. So that egg is going to sit in the pan right where you break it. If you fry like a six-week-old egg, the egg just spreads all over the pan. (laughs) You know, it, it, it just is a mess. So using a super fresh egg and then... You know, I guess it's personal preference if you want to use oil, if you want to use butter. If you, I like a combination. Um, and then cooking the egg, it's such a personal preference, whether you want a runny yolk or if you want a hard yolk. And, and you kind of have to figure out your heat level and then how long you're going to cook it to get the yolk to the point where you like it. Yes. Do you cover it? Um, I don't. Okay. I, so I tend, my husband likes sunny side up with the yolk basically still uncooked. <laughs> I prefer mine cooked more, so I'll just cook ours in the pan together and I'll just flip mine over. Um, you know, so I'll just have like an over easy and sure. so they cook about the same amount of time. I also love basting 
you know, like butter basting an mm-hmm. egg is a great idea because then you don't have to worry about flipping it and maybe making a mess, but you just keep, you know, tipping the pan and basting it almost like you would a steak. Oh, I and if love you that. that yolk, it's going to cook faster. So you'll right. get a, a little bit more cooked yolk without actually having to flip the egg over. Oh, I'm yeah, having really yummy. I'm having butter basted fried eggs for dinner tonight. <laughs> Done. Finished. I love that. Unless, of course, I have crispy lemon fried eggs. Now, this recipe excited me. Oh, my. Well, you could combine them both because as you, you know, you, you put the lemon slices in the pan and they sort of caramelize and add some acid, you know, as you were talking about before to the, to the egg. But That's you could fabulous. do the same thing and butter baste with the lemon slices in there, too, and just kind of combine the whole thing together. The, the freshness of the citrus and the richness of the egg yolk I can I can only imagine. It makes me think of a Parmesan egg, like the umami bomb of Parmesan with an egg yolk and then offsetting it with mm-hmm. some lemon. I, I mean, absolutely fabulous. And talk about cheesy baked cream eggs, please. Uh, is this something from your roots? No. The, so, so that's kind of related to the cream fried eggs. Yes. Which sort of happened because I didn't have any butter and I wanted to <laughs> you know, have fried eggs for breakfast, but I had a little bit of heavy cream. I always seem to manage to end up with just a tiny bit of heavy cream that I usually use in my coffee just to use it up so it won't go bad. So I said, well, cream is fat. You know, I'm sure I can fry an egg in cream, right? Well, you can, and it caramelizes, and it separates, and it makes the most beautiful kind of like pillowy, smooth egg whites. So the baked eggs are sort of, a takeoff on that, you know, if you're cooking for more than like one or two people, it's just easier to bake a whole, a whole pan of them instead of, you know, just doing one or two in a skillet on the stovetop. But, Mm. oh my goodness, cooking eggs and cream Mm. is so heavenly. I have to tell you, I'm salivating and some crusty bread or toast, buttery toast Mm -hmm. points to dip. Oh yes. Okay. This next recipe that I've marked does have a backstory. You have a beautiful pancake memory from your childhood. These uh, Finnish oven pancakes? Yes. Yeah, that's, it's funny how different cultures will have similar foods and, you know, there's slight differences. So basically, it's, it's like a, a German-Dutch baby. Um, but, of course, being Finnish, it has cardamom in it. All right, one, one more quick break. Please stay with us. There is so much to learn and so much to eat. We have the best culinary thinkers on this show. We do. Lisa Steele is here, founder of FreshEggsDaily.com. You should follow as well. We'll take a quick break. Grab a snack. Come on back. Don't go away. Okay, we're back and we're dishing. We're moving from breakfast into the savory side, lunch, dinner. Oh, and then, of course, to sweets. Lisa Steele is here, the author of The Just Released and uh, much talked about the Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook. Lisa, I have have a a tremendous passion for avgolemono. I think it's from Mm. Greek restaurant memories from my childhood. And 
I can't wait to make yours. The simplicity of it is just beautiful. But with farm fresh eggs, I can only imagine. Yeah, that's something I didn't grow up with. You know, <laughs> Scandinavian, it, uh, we didn't eat a lot of Greek food. But I always loved when my mom would put rice in tomato soup yes. in the winter and like would have grilled cheese and tomato soup with rice in the bottom. And I too, I agree that I think the soup is just so simple. I mean, let's be honest, most of the recipes in the cookbook are pretty simple and they take very basic ingredients. But when you use fresh and delicious, Mm. I mean, they just all come together so beautifully. Yes. It's one of my favorite soups to make. And one of my favorite to eat. And so I can't wait to make your egg lemon soup. Uh, Then I, I continued thinking, if that's lunch, then can we make egg yolk ravioli for dinner? And I was (laughs) delighted to see that you very much believe in a shortcut. Yeah. I mean, if you want to make your own pasta dough and then cut ravioli circles out of it, that's great. But when you use wonton or egg roll wrappers, Mm -hmm. the ravioli come out really great. And then it's not this huge day-long process. You know, it's actually a really quick weeknight dinner. Or a weekend if you happen to be, you know, out and about doing stuff all day and you come home and want something quick and easy for dinner. I have a recipe for marinara sauce in the cookbook, but go ahead and use jarred sauce and wonton skins and dinner will be ready in like 15 minutes. Yeah, isn't that fabulous? And there's something beautiful in the Italian style when you have a ravioli in a restaurant uh, from a great Italian chef and the yolk oozes and there's just a a richness to it that cannot be duplicated just in the form of pasta like that. So to use a wonton wrapper and make it quick and easy for sheer indulgence, that's just fabulous to me. I love that recipe. I double marked that page, Lisa. Uh, (laughs) You would need to try the option with the um, pumpkin puree, like around the holidays, you know, you make a pumpkin pie or a pumpkin cheesecake and you've got some pumpkin puree left. And making like a, a pumpkin ravioli yes, with ricotta and the pumpkin puree is also really delicious as well. I make something similar to that. Like a, I make a pumpkin ravioli using leftover pureed pumpkin like you talk about and then f- uh, butter fried sage leaves on the top. But I'm going to yeah. add an egg yolk and say your name. Every time I t- every time I take a bite, um, and then the baked <laughs> the baked eggs in butternut squash rings. Um, the internet is talking about that. Really? Oh yes. Yeah. This is this is quite fabulous. So you carve out circles of butternut squash, right? And then you break an egg mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. roast the entire thing to perfection. Really yummy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that actually uh, done on the kitchen, I believe, with acorn squash a oh. while back. And I'm not a huge fan of the acorn squash, but I said, you know, the butternut squash, I love. It's it's a better size for a single egg. And the orange color, I thought, was just beautiful. Like, you're not going to get that with an acorn squash. No. So I think butternut squash was definitely a good substitution there. Oh, isn't that? That's a testament. No, you're right. No doubt to going back to the, to the classics. Uh, and then mm-hmm. um, leave us with, if you would, uh, there are so many wonderful sweets recipes here, um, but leave us with your um, marvelous meringue. Uh, we, sh- we share an adoration for meringue, you and I, uh, and you make a mixed berry meringue nest that is just beautiful. The meringue nests are beautiful and elegant and mm. just like a perfect dinner party dessert. But the mini meringues, well, my personal favorite is the Eaton mess. 
you know, so you oh. make your little mini meringues yes. and then your berries and your whipped cream and you put it in the goblet. So delicious. I will send you a picture. I can't wait to make meringues this weekend. Thank you. You've inspired me. <laughs> uh, I, and kudos to you. Uh, you have built a, a wonderful life uh, in a beautiful part of the country in Maine, of course, raising um, lovely chickens that have become your family. And you have shared so many coop to kitchen recipes, rather, and so much extraordinary knowledge with chicken keepers around the world um, that I think that you uh, deservedly uh, should embrace the queen of the coop title for sure. Uh, Lisa Steele has been recognized by every national media outlet, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, USA Today, you name it. Uh, She is best loved for her website and blog at FreshEggsDaily.com, and her seventh cookbook has just released, and it is fabulous, sharing go-to recipes for breakfast staples to breads and pasta and pies and condiments, sweet and savory dishes with Lisa's unique twists, all that incorporate the beauty of an egg. Uh, And so many fabulous techniques and ability to discover new ways to incorporate fresh eggs into your repertoire. Please check out the book. It is entitled The Fresh Eggs Daily Cookbook, um, already uh, top rated on Amazon on its way to New York Times bestseller, I know. Um, And Lisa, a labor of love and a beautiful one. So kudos to you. Thank you for sharing so much knowledge and being so generous of time and passion and spirit. Oh, thank you so much. You've been too kind. I had an absolute blast writing this cookbook. (laughs) I'm so proud of it. And I'm just so happy that people are enjoying it. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of culinary obsession. We really are dishing on all of my favorite things this hour from the start of the conversation on mushrooms to a really deep dive into eggs, which I hope you enjoyed, by the way, to this last final note or what I call my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the weekend. I love a warming, beautiful bowl of steaming hot soup when the weather turns cold. And as aforementioned, it is cold in some places. And the creamy sweetness of parsnips with the tart bite of apple is the most beautiful combination. So I make a parsnip and apple soup. And it has just six ingredients, including olive oil and butter, super simple to make, and so scrumptious. It could be a very easy weeknight meal, or you could dress it up with an arugula salad with spiced pecans and gorgonzola cheese and impress all your friends. So I will post the recipe on social at Chef Jamie Gwen, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for my parsnip and apple soup. And I hope that you will make it And savor it, of course. And I hope that you'll tune in next weekend when there is lots more fabulous food guaranteed in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 